All right, so we're going to go ahead and, and uh, roll the show. Uh, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, for attending um, uh, the, the live show this evening. And uh, I want to welcome you. I welcome uh, Dr. Lee Welter, not only a, a physician, but a uh, teacher and an engineer. And, uh, and Richard Fields is uh, uh, a longtime freedom fighter who was a fundraiser for uh, or a development officer for many, many years for Pacific a, Legal uh, Pacific Legal Foundation that uh, won, I think now they're up to 18, um, 18 Supreme Court cases protecting individual freedoms and uh, protecting and citizens from rights. their government, protecting citizens from their government, civil rights at its finest. Uh, I am uh, an, an, an author uh, and an all-around rabble-rouser and I've done my best to uh, help people better be better leaders, managers, and raise a little money for some nonprofits myself. So we're going to start the show and cover four uh, things. Um, the, the workers' revolution is here uh, and the left hates it. Um, a very important topic that we're going to cover in a little bit of depth uh, because of especially of Lee's expertise with uh, what doctors are supposed to do. The CDC's new pain treatment advice uh, aims to correct the damage done by their 2016 version, which they're now claiming was just guidance and never should have been taken as, as strict and hard rules. So oh, the pendulum swings the pendulum one way swings, or the other. And then we're uh, going to talk a little bit about that uh, subject that we covered before. We're going to cover it again. It's uh, cops using uh, civil forfeiture to stage armored car heists, stealing money earned by licensed marijuana businesses. And then we're going to talk about something that fills me with glee, uh, San Francisco School Board uh, recall, where uh, the, the, the wokeness is, uh, was, <laughs> has been uh, thoroughly thrown out by a 70% 70 per, 70 majority of uh, people who voted to get rid of these clowns and put somebody in who actually values education. So first, we're going to talk with the workers' revolution. Uh, we're seeing um, you know, a lot, lot of people vote with their feet moving from places where uh, they aren't valued as, as employees or self-employed or business owners and moving to places like you know, Texas and Florida. Florida's having a, a, uh, a boom uh, in uh, technology companies moving in. And, but where no we're income really, tax in Florida. Yeah, well, that too. Where we're really seeing it is what the, the, uh, the US government, in, in cahoots with the Canadian government, is describing as uh, um, they're trying to call it a terrorist act. Trudeau wants to call it a terrorist act, which is uh, truckers protesting against uh, forced vaccination. Um, you know, these are people who sit in their trucks and uh, and don't uh, you know uh, associate with much folks other than truckers and people who pump diesel and uh, occasionally a roadside diner. And uh, um, they decided to make their uh, ire felt by by convoying uh, to. Uh, I think uh, was it Ottawa, and uh, that's the capital, and um, uh, making their their thoughts known. The uh, the uh, blame stream media has painted them as uh, as rabble rousers, and and they've they've say they've been violent and ignoring laws and blocking the roads and all the rest of that. But the reporting from the ground is is anything but that. These are just people exercising. Um, you know, they're right uh, under Canadian law, or at least we thought it was until Trudeau decided to, you know, do whatever he is, uh, exercising their right to protest. And, uh, and now uh, apparently American truckers are, uh, 
are doing the same thing. And we have a history of truckers leading the way in protests. Um, and, and I think, Lee or Richard, you want to talk about uh, the, the truckers' impact on, on all the foolishness we had to put up with for a while when uh, there was the uh, Arab oil embargo and our oil prices and gas prices skyrocketed here. I know you guys remember it. Well, you know, I, I, it reminds me of, I think it was Gandhi that said, uh, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they uh, condemn you, and then, uh, then you win. And that's kind of what's going on with the truckers. For a very long time, the truckers were, uh, massive numbers of truckers in Canada were uh, descending in Ottawa, descending on, I think it's Windsor, across from Detroit, uh, where most of the, uh, uh, or a good percentage of the uh, uh, trade between the U.S. and Canada takes place, the, the, the uh, Ambassador Bridge. And they were, you know, basically shutting it down and, and really making a, a huge protest, the kind of a protest that had it been uh, Black Lives Matter would have been front page news, wall-to-wall -wall coverage on all the cable uh, channels, but it was being ignored by the New York Times, it was being ignored by the Washington Post, it was being ignored by all of the television networks. They were doing their best to pretend it was not happening. But eventually, it's, you know, they couldn't ignore it anymore because they were so persistent and making so much noise and making, uh, and, and doing it all peacefully. Very, very few uh, incidents of anything that could be in any way described as uh, illegal. I think the, the worst that uh, uh, Prime Minister Trudeau could come up with was uh, mischief and, and hooliganism or something like that. I mean, it was. Oh, it was, honking it was their laughable. horns. Honking their horns. Oh, yeah, honking, honking yeah, their honking. horns. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it was, it was incredibly uh, obvious that the government was being uh, protested against righteously, and they did not want to, uh, the government of Canada in this case, did not want to back down. Well, what's happened is the government of Ottawa, the governor of Ottawa, uh, decided to make solidarity with the truckers. Uh, and again, that's not being covered by, you know, he, he went to the, he went, met with the truckers, gave a speech essentially uh, supporting their point of view on uh, lockdowns, on uh, vaccinations, mandatory, and so forth. That's not getting covered. But uh, yeah, there's, a, there's a, an economic writer that, uh, uh, a number of economic writers that say that revolutions happen every about 250 years, give or take. Well, it's been about uh, almost 250 years since 1776. So I think we're probably due for a revolution, and the truckers may be in the vanguard leading the revolution. And this time it's a revolution toward decentralization. We've seen what centralized power can do. Lock down the economy, destroy small business, uh, have absolutely no effect, uh, no positive effect to speak of on, on the uh, spreading of the, of the uh, coronavirus through all of the lockdowns and, and uh, masking and so on. Uh, and people are fed up. People are, are, are tired of it. People are saying, you know what? We don't need a central government in Washington, D.C., or in Ottawa, or in London, or in Moscow, or anywhere else to tell us what to do. We can pretty well figure out what we want to do ourselves, and we're going to damn well do it. I like that idea. And uh, you're right, I believe, didn't the, the, uh, the governor or prime minister or whatever it is of, of Ottawa uh, uh, basically exactly. eliminate, yeah. he eliminated uh, vaccine mandates in his, in his yeah. area? 
Yeah, no, no, the the, uh, the provinces in Canada have started backing down and saying, you know what, we're going to, to agree with the truckers' demands because they're obviously righteous and uh, we're not going to be on the wrong side of that political issue. Trudeau hasn't figured it out yet. And, and uh, then the government stepped in. Well, first of all, uh, people sent millions and millions of dollars to support the truckers through... Uh, uh, I think GoFundMe, GoFundMe uh, decided that they were going to take that money and give it to other nonprofits, but then they realized, oh, wait a second, that's theft, and they decided to well, return it to people. Same thing as taxation, yeah. right? They decided to return it to the people who gave it to them, when, when their, their job basically is to give money to people that, where it's directed, and then another uh, uh, agency said, oh, we'll, we'll give those truckers some money. But then the the uh, the Canadian government decided, no, we're going to confiscate that money. So basically, um, crooks and thieves by some yeah. other name, right? Yes. So it's a, it's a wonderful. This is a wonderful uh, pulling away of the curtain to see that the 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 wizard is is not all powerful, and the lever he's pulling, uh, he can only pull if we let him. And I'm I'm very pleased about that. And there's another secret. Well, the other thing that the truckers do is they got a, a Bitcoin fundraising effort going after GoFundMe, and the other one got shut down. They said, "Well, we'll do it with Bitcoin, and that's working." Hmm. So, and and Bitcoin is the you know the epitome of a decentralized monetary system, in effect, and uh, another another move toward decentralization, which uh, ultimately is a very very good thing. I agree. I agree. This is a. A wonderful example of, and the nice thing about, about truckers is the reason that the government's uh, on both sides of the, the, the longest border in the world, maybe not, one of the longest borders in the world, uh, hates them, is that they, they're, yes, they're kind of hard to define them. They, they move from being owner-operators to being uh, independent contractors to being uh, employees on a regular basis. So it's really hard to pin them down and fleece them. And so governments hate it when you're when you when you're not standing still, so it's easy to fleece you. Um, anyway, and the the next thing we're going to go over is something that, uh, ha, huh, um, I'm um, I I hesitated to actually put this uh, on on the subject for the show because it is such a painful thing, no pun intended. The CDC has come out with new pain treatment advice which aims to correct the damage done by its 2016 advice <laughs> or guidance, which it claims um, was simply guidance and was misunderstood, and, and the suggestions that it put forward should have never uh, been seen as hard and fast rules, and, and uh, pain management should always be informed consent between the patient and the physician yes. and all the rest of that. But I say shame on you, CDC, because this is the first time you've stepped in and done something like this, and, and I don't think you actually have constitutional authority to do it. But now you're pretending like you're, you're, you're uh, changing advice and you're not taking responsibility for the hundreds of thousands of opioid deaths, the suicides, the people living in, in horrible pain because Doctors thought they would lose their license if, if they prescribed enough pain medication to take care of your cancer pain or your post-operative pain or your neuralgia that, uh, or all the rest of that. 
and and I'm I'm starting to get a little upset about it. Let, let me uh, let somebody else comment. As a physician, uh, can you tell us what they did wrong and how they're trying to sidestep responsibility now, Lee? There is no magic recipe for pain medication. Call them opioids, narcotics, fentanyl, morphine, whatever. That's going to work well for everybody. Uh, one example I had was uh, an ophthalmologist that basically uses local anesthesia with a little supplementation. And one ophthalmologist asked, give, would you give every one of my patients a half a milligram of this sedative medication? I don't want the pa patient to remember the discomfort they went through during this procedure and then they won't come back to have the cataract done on the other eye. Okay, that's fine. Well, one of those patients was somebody I knew to be medically very fragile. So here, uh, this is just as the surgeon's ready to start. How much did you give this patient? I said, a quarter of a milligram, and I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't give any more. You have to understand those things. And uh, there was once a surgeon said, well, I asked you to give so much of this medication. How much have you given? I said, oh, about 30% of what you asked. He says, why are you being a sissy? I said, I can always give a little bit more if it's needed. But if I give it, I can't take it back when it's too much. So examples from Dr. Lee Welter. Uh, on the side of, uh, I would say, caution, but, but more, more, not caution, wrong word, understanding the patient and, and uh, having that, that close give and take between patient and doctor, with the doctor monitoring the patient, paper, patient being completely uh, understanding of what's going on, advised consent, um, and, but what happened in, Richard, did you wanna uh, have, have something to say about this subject? Well, I think the real crime when it comes to uh, uh, pain medication is this. Uh, it's been long known informally, uh, not, not uh, in the schools of medicine necessarily, but, but even there to a certain extent, that uh, substances like cannabis uh, have pain-killing properties or pain amelioration properties that are much, much, are, are just as good as the opiates in many cases and with uh, fewer side effects. And they have been scheduled as class one narcotics for, well, ever since the, the 30s. <laughs> and, and, you know, and, and so you have people getting hooked on, on, uh, on opiates when they really could be taking marijuana or uh, cannabinoids. And, and, and uh, you've got a, a regulatory system that says you can't give the, the relatively safe medicine, but you can give all you want of the, uh, the FDA-approved, more dangerous medicine. Uh, it, it, this is a situation that cries out, absolutely screams, deregulate, deregulate. Let patients and doctors make the decisions on what uh, pain medications are appropriate, what the dosage uh, appropriate, what, what kind of dosage is appropriate, and so on. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. The, 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 the point I want to make on this is kind of the other side of the coin. Um, the, the, the CDC claims that what it put out was guidance. They, they put out daily dosage of, uh, 
uh, morphine equivalents of the maximum that anybody should have on a daily basis is 90 uh, morphine equivalents. And they said that it didn't, it uh, cancer patients and, and people who were uh, in hospice care and in their, and dying and all the rest of that weren't supposed to be under this guidance and it was no hard and fast rules. But I'll challenge anybody to find a doctor who is willing to do anything other than prescribe a tiny amount of opioids for even very painful events over the last couple of years. They were scared to death that if they violated, uh, went over these things, uh, that, um, that they were gonna get in trouble and maybe get their license pulled, certainly a slap on the hand. And there, there are, uh, we've had a guest on the show who, who uh, has uh, had a very serious physical problem and prior to all these rules and regulations, he, he was taking some pretty heavy doses of uh, uh, opioids, of uh, Oxy or, or Vicodin or something. And after this happened, uh, his doctor refused to give him um, uh, anything strong enough to take care of his pain, which he'd had for years because of spinal issues, and gave him uh, tramadol? I think, which is a, a mild, a, a mild painkiller and not enough. And so, you know, there are people, um, you know, me, I have, uh, I'm an ex-paratrooper and, and my back's torn up and occasionally it flares up and there's absolutely nothing I can do. I pretty much live in the gym to take care of it. And occasionally I'll have to take some oxycodone or, or some Vicodin and I will take it in conjunction with um, uh, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory I have a prescription, uh, and, and that combination for me works. Other people it does not, and they have to take a lot of Vicodin or a lot of Oxy to knock the pain out. Yes. And there are other people who, who can kill their pain just with non-steroidal inflammatory. So the idea that the government can say that all of these patients, as you were pointing out, are exactly the same as I like to say, one size fits none. <laughs> Lee, you want to say anything else? Uh, I agree, yes. In fact, uh, uh, I made an error once. Uh, the fentanyl is a synthetic opioid, and there are other um, similar related compounds. Alfentanil is a very sh short-acting version of that. Sufentanil is a more potent version of that and when it first came out we were told that it's roughly 10 times as potent as uh, fentanyl so I adjusted a dose I gave that amount to the patient I said oh Mrs. Jones I said can you take a breath huh all right I said well I'll give you a breath <laughs> with my breathing bag and mask and uh, and counteracted it turned out it was 20 times as potent as fentanyl <laughs> But so the information you were relying on was, was wrong. Exactly. And yeah. this brings me to another rant on the same subject. Um, what people did, which is logical, they were used to having opioids to deal with their chronic back pain uh, and their neuralgia and all the rest of this. And when those were taken away, the pain still existed. So what did they do? They went out on the street and bought uh, what they thought was oxy, which was actually fentanyl, and many of them died because they weren't getting... The dosage was wrong. The dosage was wrong. And with fentanyl, we're talking about 
parts per billion. I mean, it, it is a hugely potent drug. Yeah. So CDC, by its guidance, which it did not put it out as guidance, it put it out as rules, basically is responsible for the deaths and the addiction of a whole lot of people. Because what happens if you're managing your own pain with opioids, there's nobody there to see that you have slurred speech, that you're dizzy, to make sure that you get some guidance about it to say you're taking too much, you need to wean you off of it, because you're self-managing your pain, which is probably good for most people, but not a lot of those people who died. When you talk about slurred speech and dizziness, it brings to mind ethanol is our most dangerous drug. Anybody recognize what th that is? Yeah, ethanol is uh, what you can go to the liquor store and buy, or or the wine buy, beer. wine, all the rest of that, yeah, which yeah. causes liver damage. Exactly. And uh, something like two percent of the people in um, on on average uh, who are on heavy, heavy doses of opioids are are what we would call opioid uh, or abusers who or, or are dependent. Dependent. 9% of people who use alcohol are dependent, and I think that's a very low number. Yet, yes. alcohol is completely fine. You get to self-minister it, and uh, you know, it's, a, it's advertised uh, on, on uh, TV during uh, the Super Bowl. It is, and I always say, poison, poison, because mm -hmm. number one, it is toxic to every living cell. Number two, it increases cancer risk significantly. Number three, as we're well aware, it damages brain function, especially judgment and decision making. And, uh, and then number four. So I guess we won't be going out and having a drink after the show then. Is not that what you're not I, but yeah. number four, it interferes with restorative sleep. Hmm. So I, I sort of laugh when I, I see young moms say, oh, the kids were so wild today, I'm just gonna, have a glass of wine and then have a good night's sleep. I think you can have one or the other, but you can't have both. Okay. And, and how many physicians understand this hazard of, or, uh, of, of drinking alcohol? One experienced consultant says, every doctor knows that. Mm -hmm. Well, how many doctors have told you that it's not a good thing to do? Uh, not, not, not very many. Uh, I have, I, at the, uh, one of the clubs that I go to, uh, I, I've seen uh, an awful lot of physicians knock back quite the, the glasses of wine and, and shots of vodka. So and Every now and again, a, DU, a DUI will get yeah. a suspension of their medical license well, and that gets reported. Have that. And I, we're, we've got about five minutes left and I didn't mean to cut you off. No, um, but uh, there, there are two things that we'd love to cover. I want to cover one with glee, but quickly, uh, for, for, for our viewers out there, I want to make sure that, that I ask you to be aware of what's happening. Uh, in California and in Kansas, cops are basically robbing uh, armored cars of cash that is legally, it is from a legal business uh, that is moving to, from the legal business to uh, a depository or a banking institution, which is this case a, a credit union. Moving these the cash. legal businesses, <laughs> these legal businesses are marijuana businesses, which in the states they're operating in are quite legal. What these, um, what these armed robbers in police uniforms are doing is they are uh, uh, coordinating with federal agencies in a group because uh, weed is still uh, illegal at the federal level 
and they are raiding these cars and taking this money. The federal government takes it, keeps 20% uh, of it, and gives the 80% back to um, uh, the uh, local cops so they can spend it on SWAT teams and trips to Hawaii to learn how to do So there's an incentive for them to steal. Runs. Yeah. So, you know, basically um, uh, it is licensed to steal. And, uh, you know, we've covered this before. Richard, do you have anything to say about it before we get on to my joyful one, which is San Francisco School Board recall? But, Richard, any comments yeah, on the, the most the, the, the government doesn't like competition. That's why they have outlawed theft. Yeah. <laughs> that's a... That's a, that's a nice close on that subject, Richard. I really appreciate it. Now let's go on to the, some happy news. In the People's Republic of San Francisco, the school board decided that instead of um, concentrating on opening schools, which all the, 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 the mothers and fathers wanted to do so their kids could actually learn how to read, write, and do arithmetic, the three R's, um, they were going to spend a fortune renaming schools so they weren't named evil things like uh, Abraham Lincoln High School or, or George, George Washington, Washington uh, uh, High School or any of the rest of that. And, um, and making sure that the textbooks uh, were, were uh, you know, mentioned things about uh, not just cisgen uh, people, people oh, the who were born. 57 different genders. Yeah. So <laughs> what the, uh, a recall happened and uh, with 70% of the people who voted um, uh, decided to get rid of these uh, commie pinkos, even in the commie pinko town of, of San Francisco. And where they really made a mistake was they decided that uh, Lowell High School. Oh, that's very highly regarded uh, Lowell High School is, is uh, on par with uh, some of the high schools in New York City that uh, went through the same thing, where they started putting quotas in instead of letting people uh, into these schools because of their outstanding scholastic achievement and achievement in helping society. They did a lottery. And they too did many this. Asians. So they did this because there were too many Asians in the school and they wanted more uh, Hispanic people and more black people in the school. And so uh, in, in this case, uh, Asian people came out in force against it, just as they have in New York City, where the same kind of high schools have created 14 Nobel laureates. These are public high schools that have high standards. See what can happen if you have standards, folks. Uh, and uh, they've, they've thrown these bums out and uh, they're, they're uh, actually reversing their decision because of parental pressure to uh, have these schools run quotas and they're back to uh, uh, having Lowell uh, have entrance requirements of outstanding scholastic ability and an outstanding scholastic track record. So I look forward to seeing Lowell High School produce some Lobel, Nobel laureates on its own. And on that note, Ladies and gentlemen, I want to uh, thank you very much. Uh, I think the credits are rolling, so I think we're getting near the end. I, think I want to thank you, Richard, for um, attending at a distance and for your pithy statement, especially your close on uh, why did uh, government make... What was that again, Richard? I think it's worth hearing one more time. About government theft. doesn't like competition. That's why they make highway robbery illegal. Yeah, except for the when they do it. And Lee, thank you very much for your, your stories about uh, making sure that 
Physicians understand that each and every patient is different. Governments understand only one thing. Well, they don't really understand anything. What they do is create <laughs> programs that are one size fits none. And that's why we're libertarians, because we want to make individual choices and rely on our own experts. And uh, uh, my name is John Cameron. Thank you, Lee Welter. Thank you, Richard Fields. It's been a delight uh, having you join us this evening. I hope you'll do it in the future, and we'll uh, make sure we get a few of these little technical glitches uh, fixed so that your experience is, uh, is a little smoother next time. I want you to, uh, what, it, what James always says, make sure you uh, love, love everybody. everybody. Love everybody. And look for us uh, on YouTube. We're a little difficult to find. I'm not saying we're being censored. <laughs> I'm not saying we're being censored. But we're a little difficult to find. But if you look, you can find us. And um, we appreciate uh, your support. And let's go out there and vote for less. Less government. Thank you, folks. And have a wonderful evening from uh, 